Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is Sony willing to take any more chances? How NFTs can shape the world of collectibles? And is a Fast and Furious Jurassic World crossover a good idea? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or our fantastic channels that we have going on right now on Twitch, because we've got six days a week, the best in tabletop RPG gaming, YouTube, our Facebook channel. We are the number one Facebook streamers with tabletop RPG gaming. There's no one even close. We've got tens of thousands of views already, and we cannot thank you enough for doing so. But if you can go ahead and support us in whatever we do, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He's our own Castle PCC with a K on the Twitter and Instagram. You got to check him out today. Like I said, on Twitter and Instagram at Castle PCC with a K. is a good man indeed. Looking like he's fresh off the set from Ghostbusters Afterlife. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, great to have you back on the program once again. Gerald, thanks for uh, having me back, as always. I do want to say, I've been making a big stink for probably about a month and a half now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the drone stream was coming. It's officially happening, folks. So what you see on my head right now are my new goggles. I bought some high-definition DJI goggles, and they've got a nice little analog module on this side. Sorry, I'm doing this reverse. So I can fly my entire current fleet. I can fly an HD fleet whenever I build that out. Speaking of fleet, though, let's go ahead and talk a little bit. I mean, I've got this nice little tiny whoop right here. Nice little guy with a little camera on the front. We'll be flying that soon. We're going to be rebuilding this guy this weekend, though. 
So, you know, keep an eye out on Twitch. You're going to be listening to this tomorrow, Friday. You know, hey, you can go find me here. I'm going to be modifying this guy. We're going to be taking some parts out. We're going to be putting some parts in. It's going to be a grand old time. We're going to be doing a little 3D printing as well as this guy. We're going to be putting a new receiver in this guy to make sure he's compatible with my new controllers. Gerald, it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have a lot of fun. Kind of fortunate. My wife is out of town for about a week. I'm going to take advantage of that time by myself and build drones, fix 3D printers, and also study some programming principles. I've got a, a job interview that's coming up in about a week and a half. So if anybody wants to quiz me on React while we're building some drones this weekend, you're more than welcome to. Absolutely. So I look forward to seeing what you're laying out for us, hopefully in the near future, on our Twitch channel, Pop Culture Cosmos. I'd love to see you get developed to one day where you have the type of drones where they're going ahead and doing those city shots or the world shots or the landscape shots that you see at the beginning of every movie trailer known to mankind. We'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. There's a big business in that. I'll tell you why. Because every trailer known to mankind seems to have those drone shots. And it, to me, I like them, but they're so darn irritating when you do it over and over and over again. I mean, you got to change up the recipe just a little bit. Just a little bit, indeed. But we got a great show. Full hour of Marcus and I today. No guests on today because we thought we'd just go ahead and hit you up with the hard stuff when it comes to what we're talking about here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hopefully, it's going to be another great episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I know we'll be talking about that, Josh and I, on the Monday show. But for today, we've got a lot of good stuff coming, including Sony playing it safe. What do we mean by that? We'll talk about that. Also as well, The Nevers. That came out to a huge reception on HBO Max. We'll talk about how big it was and the future of that series coming up here in a sec. Amazon Prime hit a milestone number here recently with Jeff Bezos saying, ooh, it hit a big number. How big did it hit? And what does that really mean for viewers and this whole streaming war concept that we keep on talking about almost on every single episode and this whole competition with Disney Plus and Netflix and all that? We'll talk about that coming up here in a few minutes as well. I know in a recent episode I had with Vince Atulo from That Sports Card Podcast, he enlightened me at that time about NFTs. And I said I really didn't know much about NFTs at all. Well, I've done my research and I've done my homework in the past few weeks, and I've been amazed at the booming market that is NFTs. What is an NFT? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about what IPs and pop culture staples have profited off this and how big this can get in the world of collectibles coming up later on in the show as well. And last, but certainly not least, on the back end of the show, we'll talk about the Fast 9 trailer was released a second one, number two. So we'll talk about that. But that leads us into actually our subject that we really want to talk about was director Justin Lin's comments, director of F9, Justin Lin, and actually the guy behind all the good stuff you see in the Fast and Furious saga. He spoke recently about a possible crossover between Jurassic World and Fast and Furious. Are we ready for it? Are we not? Is this something that they should do? We'll talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it is Sony. It is PlayStation. It is the PlayStation 5 primarily because that's what we really got to start talking about now. And there were recent reports 
again, uh, attributed to some of the most important writers that are out there, Jason Schreier and, and others, all reported on it, IGN, Kotaku, et cetera, et cetera, Bloomberg, all the major entities that are out there, talking about Sony, and it's actually more than rumors. It looks like it's almost uh, you know something that Sony doesn't want to admit, but it looks like Sony has shied away from one of their medium hits of 2019, Days Gone. Days Gone, the zombie thriller, was something that came out to mediocre reviews, was a big hit for our good friends at Retro City Games. Douglas Hoyabu, the owner of Retro City Games, was really into it, and that was his game of the year of 2019. There was talk about a sequel. Ben Studios was going to go ahead and propose. Actually, they did go ahead and propose a Days Gone 2, but unfortunately, Sony has shied away from that concept at the moment and wants to focus primarily on a reaffirmation of the blockbuster IPs that they have, including a remake of one of the most iconic games that they have and The Last of Us, which is not really that old. And they've already done a kind of like uh, uprising to it already. They've already updated it once and re-released it. They're committing to that instead of going out maybe a little bit more independent ones or smaller titles like they did in the past. Journey was one of their great successes. I guess those small titles maybe don't appeal them to anymore. I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, as we get into it on Sony's reluctance to go ahead into taking chances, taking a gamble, and instead going with these larger franchise concept ideas. And that will lead us into The Last of Us and that whole thing in a second here. But do you really see The Last of Us being remade a thing that they really need to do? To answer that last question immediately, no, I don't think so. This is one of those things that I think we're doing our classic COVID pandemic, like money grab thing where we just remake something and it's already been remastered. I, yes, I understand that. And that's, you know, it has been remastered, but we're doing our money PS4. grab. Yeah. Right. We're doing our money grab for the PS five now. And that's fine. I, if you need to raise money to do something great, I understand that profits were down a lot last year, but what I don't really support here is the fact that, you know, we're kind of walking away from some of these medium titles, some of the smaller titles and just putting our money into these triple A titles. And weirdly so, you know, Sony just invested another $200 million in Epic Games as well. This is some weird stuff going on with Sony's investment in IP. I don't think this is a great idea in the long term. However, I also know that I'm not a financial strategist when it comes to things like this, investing millions and millions of dollars into intellectual property. So I will go ahead and say, Gerald, that I, I'm not really on board with this. I don't think this is a great idea, but obviously I'm going to reserve the right that Sony's going to be right in the long run. I'm going to go ahead and put a little asterisk on that and say that might be a 1% chance though. I find this very disappointing that Sony is not willing to take chances because over the past 20 years or so, I think since uh, the PlayStation 2 and especially in the PlayStation 3 era, I think they really took a lot of chances on some smaller games, smaller developers, and they really profited from it. I think they had some really nice titles. I mentioned Journey, which was a huge hit for such a small game, got acclaim as being a game of the year from many different outlets, was something that was a huge success for them. And then obviously they have the bigger titles with, you know, they have the show that they do that, that just came out, MLB's The Show. 
that has been a pre- pretty good success for them. They obviously yeah. have God yeah. of War. They always have. They also have all the other PlayStation exclusives, and of course, Naughty Dog is probably their premier studio. And of, not only have they, as they, it should uh, be though, <laughs> as it should be, as it should yeah. be, they they've really done a great job with the Uncharted series, which is one of my all time favorites. And of course, what they've done with The Last of Us. I know The Last of Us Part Two. That was like all over. People were loving it. People couldn't stand it. But again, at the end of the day, it was so well made and so well crafted that it garners quite a few Game of the Year awards in and of itself. So, I mean, even though how divisive the storyline was and some of the choices that were made within, it was still a well-made game to the point that it's been revered as as far as one of the best of 2020. In fact, it was up for many awards uh, as far as whatever game of the year you were looking at. But to me, going back with The Last of Us, which the original version was made for the PlayStation 3, at the right. tail end, let's put it in, in context here, at the tail end of the PS3. And then, because it was what, tw- 2012, I think 2012, 2013, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So that's the tail end of the PlayStation 3. And right before the PlayStation 4 came out, and PlayStation 4 fans, they gave us a remastered version of this already. So they've already bumped it up once. They have, they have. So my question to you is them focusing on this instead of possibly going into a series or an IP that they could actually build upon. And I'll lead into another one that I wanted to see them go ahead and build, but we don't have any idea if they'll ever have a future for it. But Days Gone is something that, again, what our friends at Retro City Games and Douglas Hoyabu said has been to him a sensational experience. And yes, I understand that the reviews were mixed, but it did make a profit from all that I'm seeing. It right. did sell enough copies. Now, it was it a huge success? No, but this is the type of thing where if you go ahead and build upon it, could become an IP that could you could really stand behind. But it seems like Sony doesn't want to go ahead and do that, which is very disappointing. Something I always want to say is like The Order 1886, which was a beautiful looking game, had a lot of issues as far as the gameplay is concerned. The game was shorter than heck, although now these days, I don't think people would be making a big deal about it being so short. But at that time, a five and a half hour, six hour game, I guess, was too short for them. It was way ahead of its time as far as the way it looked and the graphics that are on it, just sensational. And I'd love to see a storyline continue for that. But I know the studio involved has actually left Sony. So they would have to, Sony would have to give it to another team as far as that's concerned if they want to do it, the Order 1887 or the Order 1888. But I would love to see them go ahead and go back into that universe because I really think that's a time frame and a period that's still relatively untouched compared to everything else because we've seen every you know westerns modern stuff wars you know we see all that stuff but a a game covering that period of time there's they're few and far between but i want to hear your thoughts as we close out this conversation on sony and if you could tell them let's say you were at the board you were in the board meeting in the boardroom and just give them a reason why they should just also give time and love to some great projects that are out there that are not just AAA projects. You know, we see a lot of great things out of AAA titles. And I think my biggest argument here would be that 
you know, yes, we do see some some really game changing, <laughs> really see some game changing features that are developed in AAA titles. But I think a lot of times we see some of the best things in the small storylines that happen and some of the smaller titles that come out just simply at Days Gone. I'm with you. I think the reluctance to give that a, a sequel was a misstep across the board. And I think that the people that you really need to cater to, yes, are your people that are going to buy the major AAA titles. But the people you really need to be concerned about are the people like you and me that play some of the deep cuts when it comes to some of these games that really are sold on your console. They're sold on your intellectual property. And by skipping over some of these smaller titles, what you're doing is effectively telling people like you and me to get lost. And I don't appreciate that, you know, at the end of the day, I understand that everybody's just trying to make a buck. But I mean, if you want to make sure that I'm going to be around for the next 20 years, give me something that, you know, is going to satisfy me. And unfortunately, year after year of Call of Duty, as much as I was hyped about this year, isn't going to do it for me. Year after year of MLB The Show, year after year of NHL, whatever it is, it's not going to do it for me in the long run because I've walked away from a lot of those annual titles. You got to give me something that's actually compelling. And I think a lot of the t- a lot of times your medium-sized studios that are releasing those games that are, you know, just sneaking in under the radar, but are actually like a 71 or a 75 on Metacritic or anything like that. Those are the things that are important. Those are the games that are going to keep people happy and satisfied between AAA titles. Bend has not been a big studio. Bend is a type of studio that if it were to leave tomorrow or if Sony decided to go ahead and give them the ax, people would be, okay, they did some decent stuff. But they mostly did either small games or support for larger games. That's that's basically right. what they've they've done over the course of their history. They did a lot of stuff for PlayStation Vita. They did a lot of stuff for for other platforms, and they've had some nice successes. But they've never had that true AAA success. And Days Gone is probably the closest that they've come to it. And unfortunately, at this point in time, they don't see, or I don't see, or anyone sees a future for that series, which is a shame because huge it's something, shame. yeah, it's a huge shame. I I, under, I know it's another zombie flick in an apocalyptic world, but it's something that did connect with a lot of players out there. And I'm hoping that Sony will revisit this concept because it's not just going to take two or three big titles that you throw at people each year to go ahead and ultimately win you out on your next console generation because you have Nintendo building a better Switch, supposedly, that's going to come out and, and going to get... 4K Switch? Yeah, yeah, well, actually, 720. Good luck sorry, on trying sorry, to get for yeah, yeah. four. That'll come out in 2029. But anyways, <laughs> I want to go ahead and you know say that Nintendo Switch is still selling like hotcakes. The Xbox Series X... They can't be number three forever with the way that they're going ahead and putting enough time, effort, and money, and obviously the acquisition of Bethesda. They may not be number three forever. So you just can't just take everything for granted. You've always got to be innovative. And one of the things Sony has been over the past two decades is they threw stuff out there. Sure, they've had a ton of failures. Let's get that out of the way. They've had a ton of failures. But they've been willing to take chances more so than Xbox, more so than Nintendo. And going reverse course right now, I think, would be a a grave mistake for for the future of the PlayStation IP. I agree. We're going to do a really, really, really significant disservice to our hobby and the industry across the board. What are your thoughts out there on Sony? Clearly putting a focus on AAA gaming. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. 
You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was J- the as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Wanted to give you a heads up that the Nevers debuted last week to a big 1.4 million subscribers actually got a chance to see it first off the debut of the nevers it's an interesting concept it's got a decent cast and a lot of favorable reviews for it it's really getting a lot of good press have you gotten a chance to check out what's going on with the nevers i have not had a chance yet to check out the nevers however uh, I did just announce that my wife would be out of town for the next week. So I will give the first episode a watch. I can't say that I'll be ready to discuss, you know, everything that's available to us at this point in, next week. But I will say that, you know, I, I'll give it a, the first episode a watch and we will have a chance to break it down. I had a chance to watch the trailer. Stunning, man. I mean, visually stunning. There's something about that, like, darker, kind of dirty film style that we've got uh, going on with this this show, man. Like, it's, Plus, it was it's also- captivating. Yeah, it is captivating. Plus, it covers a time period that's not regularly covered. And something we talked about with the Order 1886. I was just going to make that comparison. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's this really cool time frame that gets overlooked quite a bit. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Nevers could be a real big success for HBO Max going forward. I think this is going to be a hit just based on the trailer alone. And I can tell you that after I watch this episode, it's going to be a yes or a no moving forward. I tend to have that gut feeling within an episode or two. And you'll see me do, you know, like the the gladiator, you know. Yeah, yeah. we'll sit on the couch and do that, you know, at each other. My wife and I and just be like, oh, we do another episode. No, no. All right, cool. We're going to move on. I mean, just looking at the way that it was shot, looking at the general storyline here. I'm excited for this one and I can't wait to break it down with you next week. Absolutely. Going to be interested in checking this out myself. It is the Nevers that's now available on HBO Max. We're looking forward to talking more about it. The question is, do you want to know more and do you want to talk about on HBO Nevers? It seems to be a very intriguing show. So we'll see what kind of hold it has. And the most important thing is HBO Max. What does this do for HBO Max as far as driving in more subscribers, driving in more viewers? Could this be the type of show that creates that conversation that gets people interested in HBO Max? We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we hit the half hour break, there's still a little bit more to talk about on this side of the show. And that is Amazon Prime with Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Yeah, Jeff Bezos, who I know I feel bad for him, may have to buy him a sandwich here. Might be hard up for cash. Okay. Isn't he the richest man in the world? Something like that. I think it's like the top 10 people, richest people in the world now have like $1 trillion worth of uh, Yeah, just, so, just yeah. some un- ungodly numbers. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he should be buying When you combine them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe he should be buying me a sandwich. But anyways. That dude could be, could be funding our podcast forever. Yeah, Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, be. Jeff. Hey. But anyways, I want to go the ahead. Expanse. We know you like the Expanse, Jeff. It's fine. Yes, yeah. yes. We'll do it every day. We'll do it if we have to. But. 
Amazon did talk about a lot of things that they're doing going forward. But one of the things that Jeff Bezos did mention was 200 million subscribers as far as for Amazon Prime. Whether you buy it for the free shipping, whether you buy it for all the perks, whether you buy it for the Twitch integration, whether you buy it for the viewing of stuff as far as movies and television shows specifically headed to Amazon Prime. There are now over 200 million of you out there that do, like us, because I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. I go ahead and I watch some shows occasionally, but obviously the first thing that attracted me to it was the savings and the things that you could get for free as an Amazon Prime subscriber. So I want to ask you this. It's a different dynamic than you just saying outright they have 200 million viewers like Netflix, because Netflix beat them to it, 200 million. They're well over 200 million now as far as subscribers are concerned. Disney Plus is over 100 million, and then we go from there. Do you really count them as a true contender in this mix? I know we do an occasion, like, for instance, the Lord of the Rings series, when that comes up. We talk about the boys as being something everybody seemed to be getting into. Yep. The expanse that you talked about, which is going to go into its final season here. I mean, there's a lot to talk about with Amazon Prime. They just dropped a great trailer for Underground Railroad, which I cannot wait to see. It looks something that's very interesting, historical, and I think everybody should go out the way to see it. At least the trailer dropped, and, and it's available now on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page if you want the link for it. It's something I think a lot of people should go out of the way to see. But I want to hear your thoughts on Amazon Prime. Is it a true major contender in the streaming wars? I think it is, but you do have to put that asterisk next to their 200 million, I think. You know, a lot of us joined Amazon Prime, as you said, for the savings benefit. You're right. I wanted the two-day shipping and I wanted the free shipping on top of that. So I'm happy to pay, you know, whatever it is now. I think when I started Amazon Prime, it was like 75 bucks a year because I had a student membership. And then, you know, it went up to 99. I couldn't tell you what it is now. It just auto-drafts out of my account and I probably shouldn't pay attention to that. But, it would be uh, nice if you did. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, there are 200 million subscribers. I would love to know how many of those are actively using their streaming services. Now, mind you, I did say services, right? Because it's not just Amazon Prime streaming video. You actually have... Well, like I said about the integration with Twitch. Yeah, you got Amazon I mean, Music that nobody ever uses for some reason. Some people I know swear by it. It's like this big puzzle with Amazon Prime. How many people use how many things from it? The one thing I think that virtually everybody uses it for is the they've bought something off Amazon and they've shipped it free in two days. That's something that has, I can probably say, 90% have utilized for that. How big of that pie, that 200 million pie, are actually using it to watch the boys, to using it to watch the upcoming Lord of the Rings, like we talked about, The Expanse, Borat 2. Back to America, too, which was a big hit for them as far as initially for for Amazon Prime. So I want to know, I mean, if we were doing a pie chart, how many people of these 200 million are actually utilizing Amazon Prime video? Yeah, man, I'm with you on that one. I I would love to know that exact number. If I had to just guesstimate here, I would say that it's probably 60% Prime video, you know, and, and even that number is exorbitant. Right. Like that's that's a crazy number to think of in, in respect to 200 million users. Right. To me, that's going to be one of those things that it doesn't matter what Hulu says. It doesn't matter what everybody else other than Netflix says at this point. That's that's a significant user base. Disney wouldn't have a, something to, to say about that, I'm sure. 
But if you look at a pie chart for this one, I think Amazon Prime Video at this point is starting to overtake their Prime shipping benefits or benefit users, that kind of thing. I'm on board with Amazon Prime as a whole. And I think that's because I use a lot of their services and I, you don't realize how many of them you use, whether it's the two day delivery, the free one day delivery. Oh, I know how much I use. I use it a lot as far as shipping. Oh yeah. I, I, I probably use it way too much. You know, we had a point where when I was working from home, I felt like every day I was waiting on something from Amazon, whether it's a $5 piece or a $15 piece or, you know, occasionally a $50 piece being shipped in the mail to me. I was, I felt like I was always waiting for something to show up. Same here. I do it almost every day or my wife will tell me, hey, there's something coming to the front just to let you know. I'll say, okay, all right, waiting for it indeed. But it is something that people need to realize Amazon Prime has that 200 million database. So if you are in the Amazon boardroom, so I'm taking you now from the Sony boardroom. So we're going to fly you from Japan. We're going to go ahead and fly you from Japan and we're flying you into the headquarters of Amazon, wherever that is. I don't remember off the top of my head, so I'm sorry. But, okay, you're flying into there, and you're going ahead, and you're walking up the stairs, and you're going to meet Jeff Bezos now. Oh, God. You know, all right, let's do the corporate <laughs> lunch and all that. You want to go ahead and try and increase that share of the pie of the 200 million subscribers to go ahead and start watching more Prime video. How are you able to accomplish it? What are you going to do to make this happen? The lack of advertisement was concerning to me. You've got how many boxes going out to how many people every day in America? You know, I, I'm not of the mindset that we should be slipping paper into these boxes and, and and advertising that way. But I mean, why not start printing advertisements on the actual cardboard box itself? You know, whether it's an advertisement for the Expanse, advertisement for the boys, advertisement for Borak or coming to America. We could have done all these things to really raise awareness of your streaming platform. But I think advertising at the end of the day will increase your market share. It'll increase your viewership. I know that just because we have 200 million subscribers doesn't mean we have 200 million viewers. And that's the big difference here between Netflix and Amazon Prime. 200 million viewers are there for Netflix for the video. 200 million people here on Amazon Prime are here, half of them for the free shipping, half of them for the streaming. But the so thing you've is, got to, I, well, hold you, on, because that means 200 million people could be there for the Prime viewer. What are your thoughts out there on the future of Amazon Prime? And do you use Amazon Prime Video? What other parts of the Amazon Prime experience do you use as well outside of just the free two-day shipping? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next after the break, Marcus Taylor Garza and I are going to be talking the universe of NFTs and how it's blowing up for the collectible market. We're also going to be talking about a possible crossover between Jurassic World and Fast and Furious. We'll talk about the latest F9 trailer, speaking of Fast and Furious. I'm also going to ask Marcus his thoughts on Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, and you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the show as the PCC Multiverse. My friend, appreciate you being back on the show, Mr. Marcus De La Carza. But I wanted to ask you this, Marcus. 
the NFT craze is going huge. And I, I said earlier, I had a conversation with Vince Autulo from that Sports Card Show podcast, and he's bringing that back. So if you get a chance, please check out his awesome show, That Sports Card Show Podcast. I wanted to ask you this. The world of NFTs is growing fast and furious, pardon the pun, as for later in the show. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you this. The NFTs, and if anybody out there is unfamiliar with NFT, like I was just a few weeks ago, I've done some research on it. And here it goes. An NFT is a piece of artwork stamped with a unique string of code and stored on a virtual ledger called a blockchain so if people out there are trying to figure out what that is it is a digital collectible can be for any amount of time when it's made it's basically going to be a one of a kind or in a few sorted allotment think of it like trading cards collectibles things of that nature think about it you you make one or you can make many but you can limit the amount of many that you have for it. And most of these NFTs are now being sold as, as one. Sometimes they're small, sold in small groups and things of that nature. But I want to hear your thoughts on the NFT craze. But basically, why people are talking about NFTs, I'm going to go ahead and after you're finished, talk to you about some of the crazy prices going on for NFTs. Yep. But definitely, the collecting of NFTs seems to be going on a rocket ship going straight up. Absolutely. I do want to lead us off here with the whole statement of we are not financial advisors. What you're about to hear here is our opinion and our opinion alone. This is not financial advice. It's just informational at the end of the day. That's all we're doing here. We're talking oh, about Oh, dear goodness. Things. They don't want to hear financial advice from me. Oh, no, not at all. I, I'm probably the worst person to get that from. So that out of the way, let's talk about NFTs for a second. Non-fungible tokens. What is a non-fungible token? You start looking at things like a Bitcoin. A Bitcoin being transacted between two people is a fungible token. You can buy another Bitcoin. You can sell your Bitcoin. You can do whatever you want with it. Niancat. There's only one Niancat, right? There's one guy that made the original Niancat, uploaded it to YouTube, and made a, not made a killing, but he, I mean, how many millions of views has Niancat had over the years? Millions. I like to think of an NFT as the one and only artist proof that you're going to get in a digital sense, right? So an NFT can represent an actual tangible good, or it can represent a digital good. Kevin Smith is getting ready to try and list his entire Kilroy is here series as an NFT. Now, if that actually sells, I mean, there's more than just the digital rights ownership there. It's the actual tangible property, whatever comic books and sketches he's done on paper. This would all ride along with that NFT. So let's say if I buy it for X amount, I can go ahead and sell that to Netflix because I own it, correct? Yes. You would secure the rights to exhibit, distribute, stream the work, whatever you wanted to do with it. You wanted to remix it. Great. You remix it. You've got this proof of ownership on the blockchain that says I am the one and only owner of this one thing. This one series Kilroy is here. That's actually one of the longer demonstrations, the longer examples Usually what what there is as far as what I'm seeing lately is like, for instance, NBA has just with the top shots that they the company that they created oh, yeah. have done a huge market in this already. Most of those are usually highlights, highlights of a specific player. They go ahead and make it and turn it into an NFT and then they sell it off to the highest bidder. Undertaker, the WWE for WrestleMania, one of the things that they advertise besides DraftKings and a whole bunch of other stuff is if you went to their site, they had available NFTs 
for a certain tier for a certain amount of price, and some of them were even up for auction. Now, they had certain images of The Undertaker in certain poses or doing certain things in groups, let's say a group of limited, like 10 or 20, that they would sell these NFT licensed images for 100 bucks or whatnot. Then they had some rare ones that they sold for just even much more than that. So they, they sold, in fact, one which was an appearance coming out as far as an entrance is concerned that you and I can see on the WWE network on Peacock at any point in time. They made a digital version of an entrance of Undertaker coming into the ring for WrestleMania. That was sold for $30,000. And then on top of that, somebody in an auction paid $100,000 for an image of Undertaker throwing Mick Foley off the cage in 1998, King of the Ring. That sold for $100,000, obviously with the intention of not just collecting it, but turning it around in next amount of time, because we're seeing exorbitant prices for these NFTs being sold at auction, going into the millions of dollars for sports NFTs. I know recently the music industry got examples of NFTs being sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. We're seeing a ton of this stuff as far as going NFTs going up like crazy it seems to be a limited buying base, but a base that's getting larger and larger as more people are becoming more knowledgeable about this whole NFT marketplace. This is all the craze that's been built around the crypto craze that has been building in 2021. And this is an extension of the whole GME, Robinhood, you know, retail investor thing. We've benefited from the stimulus package throughout the last few months of people getting a little bit of extra money. And that money is being turned around and being put into the stock market, into cryptos, into NFTs. And so that's why we've really seen the rise here. I do want to go ahead and point out, though, that. Was it an image or a video clip of Undertaker throwing Mick Foley it's off a the video, It's a video clip. It's just the part where he throws him off the cage. It's not the match. It's no, no, just it's just, it's just that 10-second clip, right? Like, yeah, that's it. just yeah. where he throws him off the cage. So I, I do want to say that, you know, think about how much money that clip alone has made throughout the years, right? So this becomes a, a personal investment. And again, you've got to do your own research. You've got to make sure that this is what you want to spend your money on. But if you think and you can tie your wagon to this and find some sort of, you know, logic to, to justify it, what you can do is start buying some of these clips, whether it's the Undertaker throwing McFoley off of the, the cage, whether it's LeBron posterizing somebody on the court, whoever it is, whatever it is, you can buy the ownership of rights for these things. I am of the mindset that the NBA is going to be the more solid NFT at the end of the day, because think about how often a lot of these shots, a lot of these replays happen on TV. If Plus you they start, jumped on it first. They jumped yeah. on it first. Well, and, and so you start thinking about it. All right. So, as LeBron posterizes somebody on the court, that clip gets played how many more times throughout the season? So if you're the first person that buys that the ne very next day, every time that airs on NBC, C CBS, wh whoever it is, ESPN, you're getting that money. You get that money for them streaming that clip. And so this becomes an investment at the end of the day. Whether or not this is a smart investment is on everybody else. You've got to do your own research again. I know I sound like a rec broken record, but you know, you're basically betting that this form of digital rights ownership when it comes to tangible or intangible goods regarded as art is going to be your long haul investment. I think this is a really, really encouraging sign when it comes to cryptocurrency. It's kind of showing that it's around for the long haul. 
I mean, something like storing a ownership of a non-fungible token on a blockchain is a very secure way to have this around for a long time. But I don't see our technology going anywhere anytime soon. So with that being said, you know, if you could get your, your name on the ownership of Kilroy is here. You might make money tomorrow. You might make money 20 years from now. But as long as you hold, at some point, I mean, that valuation is going to increase because there's only one Kevin Smith in the world. And there's also only one NFT of Kilroy. He's going to make only one NFT of it. So the last thing I want to go ahead and cover on this is the other aspect of it, which not a lot of people get to talk about. And that is the cryptocurrency NFT when you're doing these things the impact on the environment. So this is not just a, you know, like everything, there's got to be a give and a take. It takes a lot of energy to go ahead and string the code together and create these NFTs to go ahead and make them an exclusive in either a one or a group type package and format. Right. Okay. You know, whether it's just, you're making only one or whether you're making 10, 20, what have you. So, I mean, there is an impact on, on the environment because it takes a lot of energy in order to create it. It's not just like you and me, like right now, streaming. I mean, there's a small amount of energy that's being used that's, you know, that, right. we're, that we're doing by, by just streaming this. For NFTs, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? It is, just slightly though. I mean, it, it does take a lot of energy to power the miners that are actually logging all this data and, and doing all those things. When you start looking at it though, what are people buying NFTs with? They're buying it with Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is a huge environmental impact at the end of the day. It takes a lot of energy to run a Bitcoin miner. And you're not necessarily just running one. When you put the money into it, you're probably running 10, 15, 20 miners at the end of the day. And those suck up a lot of electricity. However, I do want to say that there are things, solar energy, that are helping to alleviate some of that impact that we're having on the environment. You know, if we can do things like diversify our energy inputs when it comes to a lot of the mining farms, and I do mean farm. I mean, if, if you really want to get into it, Vice has a, a few documentaries where they go through warehouses in China that are Bitcoin mining farms, like a 100,000 square feet warehouse that is just loaded with server racks of miners just going to town trying to make as much money as possible on mining their Bitcoin, because as you mine the Bitcoin, you get a reward, not to mention, you know, I think it's next year, maybe a year and a half from now, the, the reward for mining Bitcoin blocks is going to have. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure right now to try and make as much money as possible and then know that it's going to keep going. You know, your money's going to keep going up from there. So yeah, there is a nasty side to the NFTs. It's Bitcoin. It's how you pay for these things. I do want to say that there are other cryptocurrencies out there that are less energy inefficient. And so that's where you really need to start doing your own research and find that, that cryptocurrency that you identify with. You identify with the roadmap for that crypto. You identify with their mission statement, whatever it is. Let's talk about Dogecoin for a second. Dogecoin's on a huge pop culture rise right now. A lot of that's thanks to Elon Musk. Every time he tweets something about going to the moon, everyone thinks it's about Dogecoin. Who knows why? Doesn't matter. You know, that valuation has gone up through the roof. Dogecoin is a lot less inefficient to mine than Bitcoin is. Your transaction fees, everything goes down. At the end of the day, you just have to be smart about it. I do want to put the disclaimer out there. Bitcoin's not going anywhere. So I think the onus is on us as the user base, as the, the voting base when it comes to making decisions as a group to try and put some pressure on trying to find a more energy efficient way to do this. 
I'm hoping that we'll find more efficient ways to go ahead and mine Bitcoin. But it's so funny that our society, the first time it really gets into digital currency of this type, the first thing it migrates to is the least efficient one. So let's go for that one. Let's go for that one. Yeah, let's go for, let's make a, the Bitcoin the number one type of cryptocurrency right off the get-go. That's the funny thing is it was the first one to the market and and fortunately and unfortunately, it's the one that's, that's stuck, man. At the end of the day, it's dragging the rest of us along. I'll say that I'm invested in a few different altcoins right now. You know, not Bitcoin, not Ether, not Ethereum, nothing like that. It's, you know, some of the more obscure things. You know, there's always that hope in the back of my mind that the things that I've invested in from a cryptocurrency perspective are going to pay off. And I'm starting to see a little bit of a return on that investment. But I mean, dude, like it's just you're finding a needle in a haystack right now. The market's saturated with alternative coins other than Bitcoin, the big three, you know, whether that's Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, if you see it that way. But I think really right now it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, and BNB Binance token is that's the one. What about De La Garza coin? That one seems like a nice one. You know, De La Garza coin would be great. I've got to find a mission statement and a whole roadmap and maybe a whole dev team to support me. But, you know, apparently all you have to do is fork Bitcoin and, you know, come up with your own meme coin a la Dogecoin and you're, you're good to go, man. There you go, my friend. But NFT craze for collectibles is soaring. It just a lot of th different pop culture IPs are getting into it. It's not coming late right now because it's still plenty of time to go ahead and invest and try to find a deal worthwhile. But if you are interested in more NFTs, I highly suggest going ahead and reaching out to us. We'll send you over some articles or going ahead to like... Like uh, like you said, going into more of cryptocurrency, things of that nature, but also the craze of NFTs. If you want to know more about NFTs, please reach out to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Before we head to the break, maybe we should create our own NFT a Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, I'm into that, dude. If we could go ahead and just start earmarking our episodes, especially when we want to do something special, we can create our own NFT, whether it sells for... $10 or $100 or maybe even more. Only uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, 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 Pop Culture Cosmos NFT. I like the sound of that. But if you want to know more about the craze of NFTs, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, it's been a great episode, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being part of it on today's program. Looking forward to speaking to a returning Josh Pearson about all the good things coming up this weekend in pop culture. Hopefully we will go ahead and be able to get a chance to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 5, which brings me to one of my last two topics with you. And I snuck this one in there, but I haven't heard your thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier as we head into Episode 5. You know, man, this has been a great series to me. If rumors are to believe, there's a lot of people that turned off the second episode about halfway through. I don't believe a lot of that stuff. We're looking at monstrous numbers here for the show. 
great storyline so far. I really enjoyed episode two. I do want to say the acting has been outstanding thus far. The directing, the production value, second to none. I mean, Disney Plus really bringing the heat again. I mean, it, it, this is a recipe for user growth, right? Like we've seen monstrous growth out of Disney Plus already. You start looking at what they're doing with Falcon Winter Soldier, how we're setting up the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a lot of money to be printed out of Disney Plus moving forward. And I do want to say that I think Falcon Winter Soldier is really setting a lot of great groundwork. But I know you're going to hate this one. They owe a lot to WandaVision. And they owe a lot to a lot of the other shows that have helped make Disney Plus what it is. I'm not going to hate it at all. I mean, you got to call it like it is. I mean, The Mandalorian brought Disney Plus to the forefront. Absolutely. Then WandaVision broke more records. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier has even exceeded that on many levels. A lot of people are really getting excited over Falcon and Winter Soldier. It debuted with the highest debut ever on Disney+. Plus. So a lot of people are really getting into Falcon and Winter Soldier over the past few weeks. I mean, the literal hate that's out there for Walker Russell's U.S. agent, a.k.a. Captain America, that's Ooh. out there, just yeah. tells you how much people are getting into his you knew a dark turn was coming. You just didn't know when because his future lies in the Thunderbolt series. And we talked about that on our previous episode, the Thunderbolts, where Thunderbolt Ross gets a, a collection of these bad guys in their version, Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. So it's something that you knew was going to be inevitable. But this dark turn, it took a lot of people by surprise. It took a lot of people back. And there is a tremendous amount of hate for Walker Russell right now. <laughs> And thank God he doesn't have social media. That's all I say. But, you know, he seemed to be fine with it. He knew this was coming. This was something that he was prepared for. I know that. It's, that's got to be a hard thing to do, though, man. Like, you are the man, and and you know that you're just going to become the heel. And I know that we see this week in, week out on WWE with some of their storylines. But being the heel is a very hard thing to do. And, uh, Absolutely. you know, I commend the man for doing it because... I mean, you're going to be hated by everybody in society. Little kids are going to walk up to you and tell you what they think of you. It's not going to be fun, man. It's not going to be a few, fun few months for him. But as I've been told by many a wrestling villain through interviews and things of that nature in the past, it's actually kind of the most fun being the heel and being the bad guy because you get right. to do pretty much anything. It's unscripted for you. It's, it's like an open book on what you can do and what you can create for that type of character. So we'll see what happens as we head into episode five this weekend. We'll be bringing you our thoughts on episode five coming up on the Monday show. So I look forward to it. And I'll tell you what, Falcon and Winter Soldier has been a great, consistent experience. WandaVision, I really liked. And then some stuff I didn't like as much. And, and you know, I, I've said that more than and often on the show. But overall, I thought it was an okay experience. And I enjoyed right. it. And I don't regret watching it. But for me, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I did like the buddy comedy in the beginning. I did like the serious dark tone it's taken since then. I've been able to connect with it throughout and I appreciate it for what it is. And I'm just hoping they will close it out with maybe one or two more surprises that I'd love to see happen, but we'll wait and see, and we'll be able to talk about it here. So be prepared for a spoiler filled episode of the pop culture Cosmos show coming up on Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course the tremendous radio stations that play our show all around the world. But my friend, it's been a great episode. But before we head on out, did you happen to catch the latest F9, a.k.a. Fast and Furious 9 trailer? I missed the trailer until right before we went on air. 
Justin Lin, man, really throwing a wrench in everybody's day here. Statements that he made, dude. Not the statements. I want to talk about the trailer first. We'll get into okay, that okay, in a second. Okay. What was your thought process on it here, dude? Because we're looking a little bit like we're uh, already gearing up for a crossover from what it well, looked like. Well, and that might be the next place that might go have to go to because they've seemingly done everything else in the previous eight. And now nine, when that comes up and that gets debuted to theaters coming up later this year. But Fast 9, they obviously, you, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, and we have the link on our Facebook page on Pop Culture Cosmos, you see the dynamic that's being built towards Vin Diesel and his younger brother. And I say that in quotations because he's really not that much younger, but it is John Cena playing his younger brother and they have a dynamic where they cannot stand each other. So they are basically essentially at war with each other. Funny how that John Cena as his younger brother only shows up in Fast and Furious 9. 9. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but I will say that I'm enjoying what I saw, but with the Fast and Furious series and the Fast and Furious saga as a whole, you cannot take seriously. They try more and more crazy things to do with cars. Where can we do? Can we jump across skyscrapers? Can we do this? Can we get tanks involved, submarines? Can we have magnets where they just go flying across the screen? They're trying to do everything that they can. This time, they're actually exceeding the limits of our atmosphere. If you look at the trailer, what they're about to do, if you see what's going on. So space might be in the offering for this version of Fast and Furious, which leads us into our next part of our conversation and our final one of the day. And that's on Justin Lin, the director of Fast and Furious 9 and pretty much everything when it comes to Fast and Furious. He's the overseer of the Fast and Furious IP itself. He recently stated that he could see a day and he could see a world, pardon the pun, where (laughs) there could be a crossover between a Fast and Furious and the Jurassic World series, which believability is out the window already. But to me, this goes beyond it. I'm not sure I would like it, but I realize after you go to space, my friend, there's not much else left to go. There really isn't. And so you start looking at what we're doing here potentially with the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's something that, to me, looking at at what's going on with the Fast franchise, it's been... I don't want to call it a slow bleed because they've they've increased their viewership. But I mean, the people that were around at the beginning, I don't think necessarily the people that are still around for F9. You know, I really enjoyed the first four movies. I'm the outlier here that says Tokyo Drift was an outstanding movie, you know, and everything thereafter has been a little bit of a degradation of the original storylines and the original jokes and humor and everything that was in those movies that made them what they were. I live my life one quarter <laughs> mile at a time. <laughs> You know, I got to do that every time we talk about it. (laughs) I know, but family, man, it's all about family. Yeah. To me, where the Fast and Furious franchise has gone has been totally unpredictable, you know, for a majority of people. Uh, The things we're doing now, especially when we start bringing in outer space as a storyline. Han is dead in Tokyo Drift. He's now suddenly alive by Fast and Furious 9. You know, if you look at the Wikipedia for Han, it says he was assumed dead or something. And, and yeah. it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's hard for me to stomach some of those things that we've done with the storyline after. And Jason Statham, who killed him, is a beloved character now as part of Hobbs and Shaw and all that. So, yeah, it's just so funny how this twists and turns. But while you get your thoughts real quick, I want to go ahead and say yeah. Universal 
they they still need to bleed this franchise out because it's not just domestically they still can make a lot of money from it. The reason why this series has grown and has become such a huge success was the international returns because the international audience loves this series. They love to just see the cars and they don't need a plot. They don't need a fancy plot. They don't need anything elaborate. In fact, that's why the series has resonated because it doesn't need a fancy plot or you know, just a really long storyline. Give me a good guy, give me a bad guy, and let me race some cars and give me a reason to do just that. And that's why they've been able to go ahead and be so successful. Universal has to figure out a way after Fast and Furious 10 to extend this somehow. May they go the route of a streaming TV show? They might do that. Or may they go ahead and build another part of the universe in a movie format? I mean, there's so many different ways that they probably will go because they're not going to let this stop after Fast and Furious 10. There's no way. No, and actually, I just pulled up the F9 Wikipedia page because, honestly, Wikipedia is still one of my greatest sources of information. It was announced in October 2020 that the series will conclude with a 10th and 11th. So, I mean, why not set the stage here of 10 is going to bring us into some sort of multiverse where Jurassic World also exists or Jurassic Park also exists. And, uh, you know, you use 11 as that end all be all tie it all together so that you can make a whole bunch of money off your theme parks over the next. Yeah, day. but the thing is, OK, does it stop at 11? Oh, well, don't get me started with the theme park rides, because any, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been through the theme park rides with the Fast and Furious and they have been great, but they're not going to stop with 11. Universal is going to figure out a way to restart the series, especially if by 11 you reach heights in dollars, because a lot of people, the majority of people that frequent in theaters before will probably by the time an 11 comes out we'll be frequenting them again yeah it's kind of cool that f9 scheduled to be a world premiere in south korea may 19th it sets the stage dude that we are an international audience now right you know this this film started off as being a huge hit domestically and now they're really driving their viewership and their money from an international community most of the money now is made internationally yeah Honestly, Gerald, I, I think that the Fast and the Furious franchise, to me, has a end-all drop-dead date. But when it comes to money, Universal is going to keep printing that money, and it's going to keep going, dude. And so I, you can't fault them for it. If you've got people out there willing to watch everything that you produce when it comes to this IP, great. Keep doing it. You know, because... I mean, we, saw, we see already them extending with Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. could go ahead with a series with one of the characters, Han or, or Ludacris's character or something like that. I see a future for the Fast and Furious series. It may not be in a Fast and Furious 12 or 13 or 14 or anything like that, but I do see a rebirth or an extension of it somehow, either in a streaming format or in a movie format, because you just do not let the series go until it actually dies out 100%. Agreed. What are your thoughts out there on Fast and Furious and Jurassic World? coming together in a crossover as was hinted that could possibly be the case at some point by director of F9, Justin Lin. We want to hear your thoughts if that's the last beacon of where they can go because if they're going to space in F9, should they go dinosaurs next? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a fantastic episode talking NFTs, talking Falcon and Winter Soldier, talking Sony, talking so much pop culture with you. I appreciate it. And of course, you're playing with drones already right there in the background. Hopefully you will be debuting your work on our Twitch channel at some point in time. 
But any last thoughts on the way out? You know, just that to put it in perspective, I think Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern time is when I'm going to be shooting to hop on Twitch to start showing some of this drone stuff. It might be a little bit boring out the gate. Probably not. Who knows? I'm going to be talking a lot about the electrical design on these things and how I lay things out, how I like to do my builds. So tune in, watch, learn a little bit about some of the do-it-yourself drone community. And, you know, if you have any questions, please, please, please reach out. You know, if I don't know it, I'll put you in touch with somebody who knows the answer to whatever your question is. Well, there you go. Check us out this weekend. Plus also as well, all the tabletop RPG games that we do six days a week. Plus, of course, our great shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos, PCC Multiverse. We've got the Lakers Fast Break running around somewhere. We do great shows for that after every Lakers game. So check that out as well. But my friend, it's been a great episode. And I cannot thank you enough for hanging out with me right here in the PCC Multiverse. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Lasford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.